this pride and selfishness we hold inside. Though we were all condemned, we had a loving friend who came to save us. He lived a perfect life and gave the blind their sight, fulfilled the things foretold by prophecy. up Jesus and I've heard a couple songs this morning about that so I'm expecting the Holy Spirit to be here and speak to our hearts today turn the gospel of Luke please chapter 22 Luke's gospel chapter 22 I'll get a few more announcements in here since Jeremiah's gone uh, we're having a, uh, a get-together um, next See, April 29th, at the end of the month. Uh, we have that fifth Sunday on fifth Sundays of this year. We're having morning church, Sunday school church, and then we have lunch together, and then we have afternoon service. 29th is the fifth Sunday. And uh, the young people are going to Puerto Rico this year on the mission trip, and so we're trying to help them with expenses. So we're going to have a spaghetti dinner that day. I think it's $5 a person, $15 for family. It's in the bulletin. But if you could plan on being here and just go right out back and they'll feed us. You don't have to bring anything and it'll help their cause for the mission trip. We'll come back in here and have an afternoon service. Okay, so put that on your calendar and plan for that. Also tonight we have a, uh, an honor of having a missionary with us, a national pastor to Haiti. And uh, his, his name is, what did I say his name is? Um... Well, anyway, he's from Haiti, and uh, Brother Desir, that's his name, Brother Desir, Joel Desir, and I, I believe it'll be an interesting service, and it'll be blessed, and that's at 6 o'clock tonight, okay? The Lord has laid on my heart a message, really for a few weeks now. I was studying for uh, pre-Easter and uh, pre-Resurrection Sunday, and I, I preached on Golgotha, and then uh, talking about Calvary. And then, of course, Resurrection Sunday, and then Pastor Williams, he preached last Sunday night on the cross. And uh, this thought's been on my heart because a few weeks ago I saw some things as I was studying, and uh, the Lord has driven me back there. And I want to talk about the Mount of Olives this morning, preach about the Mount of Olives and our Lord being there and all, all that meant to him. So Luke chapter 22 and verse 39, we'll pick up the narrative. 
in Luke chapter 22 and verse 39. And he came out and went as he was wont to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples also followed him. When he was at the place, he said unto, unto them, pray, ye, uh, pray that ye enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if, it be, if, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared unto him an angel uh, from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he arose up from prayer and was come to his disciples, he found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said unto them, Why sleep ye? Rise and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. Uh, the Lord was in this, um, this garden called Mount Olivet, or the Mount of Olives. And so this morning I want to preach this thought to a, a stroll in the garden. Let's have a stroll in the garden with Jesus this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this text and how, how rich it is, Lord, in truth. And I pray you'd help me, Lord, to give these different things you showed me under your people, and may it bless their hearts. May it help us to be more like Christ. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the Mount of Olives was frequented by our Lord um, during his earthly ministry many, many times. The Mount of Olives was a solitary place whereby the Lord would go and agonize in anticipation for the cross he was heading to. He went there for strength. He knew he was going to be suffering greatly, and not only physically, but more so spiritually, emotionally, mentally, as he prepares for Calvary. The Bible says in Luke twenty-two thirty-nine, and he came out and went as he was wont to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples also followed him. So the Lord went to this place, and he wants us to go to this place. He wants us to get to a solitary place with him. I don't know about your devotional life as an individual Christian, but it's important. A time alone with the Lord, a secret place, a private place, a, a time where you get into the scriptures, a time where you pray unto your God. And here Jesus is setting the example here. At the Mount of Olives, our Lord was experiencing many milestones in his earthly ministry. And he was going to be traveling again toward this road that his father had put him on. Amen. And the, and the Lord wants us to understand some things about this place called the Mount of Olives. So I want to consider it very carefully this morning. And maybe you've already studied it before or heard messages on it before. But let's look at it afresh today and get a new appreciation and get a new application, if you would, for this quiet place where the Lord was strengthened in this journey toward Calvary. Uh, I want us to discover more about this and gain more from it. Uh, this place called the Mount of Olives, because we all live in our difficult days, difficult times. Many people are going through health issues. Many people are going through bereavement. Uh, I did a funeral for a family friend yesterday, and their son's 42 years old, so young. And as a pastor, I just hate to see people hurting like that. I went to Pastor Bob McDonald's funeral on Friday afternoon, pastor for 27 years there at the church, and good man, and uh, he's gone to be with the Lord. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. But it's still hard on the family to say goodbye, right? So we're all going through these things in our life at different times, and we're entering into difficult days, and we are living in the last days, and so we need a refreshment from the Holy Spirit. And I believe the Lord will give it to us today if we take another look at Mount of Olives, okay? Now, the Mount of Olives was, first of all, a place of communion for our Lord. Uh, all four gospel writers speak of the Mount of Olivet, uh, Mount of Olives. And uh, Matthew chapter 21, in verse 1, Matthew writes, And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem, and were come to Bethphage, unto the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples. 
Mark says this in chapter 11, verse 1, And when they came nigh to Jerusalem unto Bethphage and unto Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, he sent forth two of his disciples. Luke says in chapter 22, verse 39, And he came out and went as one, uh, to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples also followed him. John says in John 8, and verse 1, Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives. So this is an important place. All four gospel writers point us to the Mount of Olives. There's got to be something there for us. Several things for us. Now, as these writers of the gospel record these events, they show us how frequently the Lord went there and how his disciples also went there with him. Luke tells us that it was the place that the Lord instituted the Lord's Supper. That's pretty important. Only two observances in the church, baptism, scriptural baptism, and the Lord's Supper. It was here in this solitary place that he introduced that to them. This Mount of Olives is a, a place of solitude, of aloneness, of isolation. John writes in chapter 7, verse 53, And every man went into his own house. And John adds, And Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. So the Lord had a, had a special place, had a solitary place where he could meet with him and his father. And he did it often. And he had those three inner circle disciples, Peter, James, and John, that went with him. And that's the text here where the Lord goes up and pray and, and there for sorrow falling asleep. And he comes back and says, what, could you not watch one hour? Now let's not be critical. How much time do you spend in prayer? Whatever happened to sweet hour of prayer, amen? Our Jesus was no stranger to the Mount of Olives. Most of these times he was alone, and that was for purpose. But he went there with a busy schedule that he was keeping. He went there to gain strength from the burdens that he was bearing. He went there to render help from the Lord every day, it seemed. He would go to his father, but he would oftentimes meet with the father at the Mount of Olives. Multitudes would come to him every day to hear his words, to be ministered to, for his healing. And so the Lord had to have a place that he went to all by himself to gain strength and power and the Spirit of God to be on his ministry. And it was an important place. Sometimes we read about this place and we just pass it up. I mean, it is a great place to meet with God, the Mount of Olives. It was a private and a personal place. That's what we need too. We absolutely need a quiet time place with the Lord. I don't know where yours are is my wife she goes in her little office now and I go to my office up there and I have my time with the Lord I don't know if it's next to your bed I don't know if it's when you get to work and you you got your cup of coffee and you put your tools down and you got a little bit of time before you start your shift and that's where you I don't I don't know where your place is but you need to have a place lots of times I like to walk these woods or around this property for years and years and years and commune with the Lord and I don't know where you go but you need a place to go to meet with your father amen for Jesus he shows us we all need a place of solitude of a place of safety a place of supplication where we might gain strength and help and assurance and direction amen and here's what most of us think and say too often well I'm just so busy I'm just too busy I just I'm doing this and I'm doing that and and there's not enough ample time for a personal reflection anymore, it seems, with so many Christians. There, there's no time for refreshment of soul or communion with the Father, let alone singing unto the Lord sweet psalms and hymns and spiritual songs from our heart, the Scripture tells us. But I want you to see today how important that is. If this is important for Jesus, it ought to be important for us. If we don't take care of our spirit, the cares of this life, the busyness of life, I know the busyness of ministry will weigh us heavily down. Uh, earlier this week, I, of course, you know, I was out of church last Sunday night, fell ill in the afternoon, and I was sick all day Monday, and Tuesday I was kind of not feeling well and didn't want to be around people. But whenever that happens to me, then I got to catch up all these other things that I didn't get done because I've been, been sick. And I'll tell you, from, from Wednesday to today... I've been trying to catch up, you know. And that's how it gets sometimes. You get so busy, but don't forget God. You get busy, but don't forget that quiet place. Don't forget the Mount of Olives in your life. So important. 
We need to realize this afresh and anew. If we don't, our service for the Lord will become mechanical. Our devotion, our prayer life, it will become a checklist of things that we're duty-bound to do instead of enjoy those things with the Lord. So I say to the saints of God this morning, are you taking advantage of your garden time? Of your mount time? Is there a benefit you're missing out on in this busyness of schedule and times of trouble? And it, you know, listen, we're not careful to become just duty, just duty, just things we've got to get through and we won't benefit from our alone time. So the Mount of Olives was a place of communion for Jesus Christ. Should be for us too. The Mount of Olives, second of all, was a place of revelation. Twice we're told that the disciples asked the Lord some questions. In Matthew 24, verse 3, listen now, I'll just deal with the first and then the, the second ladder. But the first, and, and he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, tell us when shall these things be? They had a question. And then it says, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world? Those two questions. Well, Mark records that Peter, James, and John, and Andrew were present at that very time, at this very Mount of Olives, the Olivet Discourse, our Lord. He was given prophecy concerning some other days that were coming, some distant days, some end time days. He's really speaking to them about the tribulation period. Now remember, the tribulation period primarily is not for us really, it's for the Jews. You see, Orthodox Jewry has not believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there are some Messianic Jews. Yes, there are some believers today that have believed the gospel, believed on Christ, and that's wonderful. But today's the dispensation of the church, both Jew and Gentile, in the body of Christ. But as a whole, the nation of Israel has not come to Christ yet. But praise God, they're going to. We're not very far off. They're going to look on him whom they have pierced. And a whole nation will be born in a day. That's exciting. The greatest revival this world's ever seen is future, not behind us. And the tribulation period is that place where God sends his Jewish evangels out, the 144,000, to bring the Jews to Jesus Christ, their Messiah. And they're going to look on him and they're going to believe on him and it's going to be wonderful. But that's future, and it's Jewish. Not that God's not working in Gentiles. He's working right now in the church age, the dispensation of grace. And he'll work with Gentiles also during the tribulation. But primarily, the tribulation is to bring Israel to Jesus Christ. And then Jesus, in this Olivet Discourse that he had with his disciples, he spoke to them about his coming and set up of his eventual kingdom. Christ will reign one day, folks. We look at this world today, and it's, it's in bad shape. Amen. But Jesus is going to rule and reign and have his kingdom. They were confused about all this stuff. But after his resurrection, they, they assumed something that was wrong. They assumed that his, this, that his kingdom was then. All right, he's going to set up his kingdom now. And not so much that he would be glorified, but that they would be glorified with him. They were interested in the, getting the yoke of Rome off their shoulders and neck. That's why they would come to hear him because they thought, this is the Messiah, and when he takes over, we're going to take over with him. But Jesus said, you don't know what you're talking about. My kingdom's later. They didn't know how much later. And they're still looking for him. Amen. Now, he's our Lord and Messiah. Amen. Now. But the Jews still have not come to him as a whole. But the Lord was uh, speaking to his disciples, but they weren't listening, and they were confused. But after his resurrection, they started getting some of it. And they were excited at the arrival of a literal, visible kingdom right then and there, where Christ would rule and reign, and they would reign with him. But then they asked this second question. They said, will thou at this time, you see that? This time restore again the kingdom of Israel. They had made up their minds that that's the way it was going to lay out. And I think about us sometimes. We have in our mind how our lives are going to just lay out. I mean, we're going to do this at this age. We're going to 
we're going to build that, this house at this age. We're going we're to do this with our business, and this is what we're going to do in our retirement. And I'm going to go here, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going I'm to serve the Lord in this capacity. It's good to have plans, folks. I have plans. But I'll be honest with you, I'm, I'm not uh, speaking at cathedra here. I don't know God's total plan for my life. I know about today. I don't know about tomorrow, as the songwriter said, but I just live from day to day. I don't borrow from its sunshine, for its skies may turn to gray. Today's the day. So where are you today concerning Mount Olivet? Your personal time, your private time with the Lord, your alone time with the Lord. Well, they had all this want and they had all this hope and they had a clear plan set. And here's what their words were. But we thought. We thought you were going to do this and we thought you were going to do that. That's not the way it works. God said in Isaiah, my ways are not your ways. My ways are much higher than your way. We think we can figure it all out. If we could figure it all out, then we'd be God. And we're not God. The Mount of Olives was that place where the Lord revealed secrets to his will. Secrets to the Son of God. You know, everybody wants to say when the Lord's coming. He's coming in, what, it was 1988, wasn't that one book written? In, in the 90s, and then, I'm, Oh, the millennium, 2000, everything's going to fall apart and the Lord's coming and, and here we are sitting in 2018 and we think we got it figured out and people write books and tell you the time and the place. But the Bible says no man knows the hour, not even the Son of God. And so the Lord was talking to his Father and he's going through this sweating of great drops of blood and this, all, this, all this heaviness and his spirit was low and He's agonizing, not even getting to the cross yet. <laughs> and the Father had a will. And the Lord didn't know every aspect of it, but he said, not my will, but thine be done. Whoa, boy, if we can learn that, we've come someplace. But our personal lives are not always in our thinking, in our planning. We're always in his hand. Amen. The secrets still belong to the Lord. But there's a bigger picture here of future things and times in the world. And here's how the disciples were beginning to believe on these things and learn these things. It was that alone time with the Lord. There, Listen, folks, we got to have our alone time so that we can begin to know some things and understand some things. Here's why. By spending time with him who knows the future. Sometimes I don't know exactly I know the Lord wants this to happen, and I think it's going to be in this time and this measurement, but I still know it's going to happen, but it's down the road farther than I ever thought it would be. But I know he's in charge. I know he's sovereign God in my life. Don't give up on your hopes and your dreams. Go to your secret place and talk to the Lord about it. Because he knows about tomorrow. Remember, after the resurrection, we talked about them a little bit lately. There are two disciples on the road to Emmaus, and it's after the resurrection. Their hopes are dashed to pieces. They thought, again, they're Jews. They thought that the kingdom would come and Christ would rule and reign there in Rome. And they're going home, and they're very discouraged. And we read about how that the Lord came alongside and went for a walk with them. I'm preaching this morning on a stroll in the garden. This is a stroll on a road. And they're discouraged, and the Lord said, well, he asked them a few questions and they look at him and they don't recognize it's him yet. And they said, don't you know what's been going around here? Brown paraphrase. He said, tell me about it. And then he began to share with them the truths of the scripture. And, and they finally, before they know it, they get to his house, their house. And they enter in with him and, and he sits down and he breaks the bread. And in the breaking of bread, boom, like a lightning bolt. And he's gone from them. And they said, did not our hearts burn within us? Why, well, he walked by the way and he shared the scripture with us. They knew it was him then. Let me tell you something. You need to get in a private place, a quiet place. 
where you can break the bread of life, where God could speak to you and boom, he shows you something. I, I remember many times, Brother Chuck Smith teaching Sunday school, would say, God showed me something. And I'd look at him, and we knew exactly what we were talking about because I had been there too. And many of you have too. Whether God showed you something. But there's been plenty of times in my life where I thought I knew it all. Hey man, I'm an independent fundamental Baptist preacher. I know it all. And it didn't pan out like I thought. So was God wrong? Am I wrong? Not always. Sometimes God just didn't reveal it yet. Listen, Christian, if you're going through your life and you're not spending time at Mount of Olives, that solitary place, that secret place, that quiet place, you're missing so much that the Lord would like to show you. But realize this, he's not going to show you every point, every path. It's a relationship over time. I believe when we do get to glory, not only we see Jesus and we'll understand it all by and by, but there's going to be a lot of these moments. Oh, boy. It was there. And here's what, they, here's what the Lord said unto them that day they on that walk and they weren't getting it. He said this to them, Ought not Christ to have suffered these things? That's what he said to them. Didn't you, didn't you read about this? The psalmist, the messianic psalm spoke of Christ's death and his burial and his resurrection. So the Lord Jesus communed at Mount of Olives with his chosen disciples and he revealed the personal plan that he was delivering to them about his kingdom and his own disciples, how they would fit in that. So the Mount of Olives is a place of communion. The Mount of Olives is a place of revelation. Thirdly, the Mount of Olives is a place of anticipation. You ever get so excited about getting to do something you've been wanting to do for a long time? Amen. A place of anticipation. Now on the same mountain... The Lord is nearing the end of his time here on earth. And of course, the shadow of the cross looms upon the next horizon. The Lord's dealing with a lot of pressure. He's dealing with a lot of stress. He's got a lot of weight upon him. Listen, the weight of the whole world's sins is upon him before he steps to the cross. And the Lord, before he gets there, he enters into the Garden of Gethsemane. This on the slopes, if you would, of Mount of Olives. And he has this appointment in this special solitary place with him and his father. And the Lord meets with his own men there. That inner circle of men go up there. And he institutes the Lord's Supper as a symbol of what Calvary was all about. The death of Calvary. And then on the Mount of Olives, I believe the Lord may have seen something. Now I can't prove this, but I'll tell you what I read about the history of the Mount of Olives. And that's this. They were growing those olive trees, guess what, for a reason, and that was having olives. The olives was the crop to have. It wasn't just in the meat or the fruit of those trees. It was in the oil that came out of them. Ho, ho. You know, Jesus said to his disciples at that last supper, really, the first supper, he said, I'll not drink this anew, uh, with you until I drink it anew with my Father and his kingdom. What do you have? You have the grapes. And what do you have when you crush the grapes? You have the blood of the grape. And that's the juice. But the grape has to be crushed before you get the juice. And here we're at the Mount of Olives. And you know, upon the Mount of Olives back in that day and right to this day, there are olive presses all over the place. Because the people didn't just pick the olives for eating. They would take the fruit of the olive tree and they would press it. They would, in other words, crush it and bruise it so it would yield the oil that was so desirable at that time. Amen. I just went to New Mexico to see the kids for like four days. And in four days... Uh, probably what happened to me on Sunday. I, four days, I went out to eat with them, and over there in New Mexico, they eat the green chilies and everything. And I loved it. But I think it didn't love me. But back in the biblical days, they had olives and everything. The oil was in everything. It was medical for them. Medicinal. 
It had so many valuable things, but you didn't get any of it until there was a crushing and a bruising. And the Lord was at the Mount of Olives and he was talking to his father. And what was happening was the Lord was facing the crushing and the bruising of his spirit in anticipation for his brokenness on Calvary's cross. At the Garden of Gethsemane, the Lord was emotional, but yet spiritual. He was crushed to the point where he'd be spilled out for you and I. And that would mean the Spirit of God would come. He said, it's, I, we just saw this Wednesday night here at the church. It's better for me, it's expedient me that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the Spirit of God can't come to you. And he's our comforter, he's our teacher. It's better that I go away, he said to them. But in order for us to experience the oil, there's got to be a bruising and a crushing. There's a sweet sacrifice. There's a sweet odor. A perfume, if it would. We've all heard the gospel song of the rose that was crushed, and from its petals come the, the fragrance of the rose. The same principle applies here. Luke twenty two forty two. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And listen... And his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling to the ground. The Lord was being crushed. He was being bruised. He was being, he was being pulverized, if you would, in the process of bringing forth that oil. Hebrews tells us about Mount, Mount Olivet. It says, prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears. Who's that talking about? Our Lord our Lord Jesus Christ was praying and supplicating for us with strong crying and tears. Our Lord was weeping in that garden. Then Jesus says to those disciples, that inner group, he says, Matthew 26, 36, Then cometh Jesus with, uh, with them unto the place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And the scripture says, I like this, he went about a stone's cast. You know, when I was, I got, I got a picture last night. I was up about 4.30 this morning going over my message. And uh, I got some pictures sent from, to me from my son Stephen. And we went out, out there to see the kids. And I, I didn't get to see Danny pitch a game. Well, Steve sent me some pictures of Danny pitching. Boy, he had such great form. And he kind of reminded me of me many years ago. Man, years ago, I could chuck that ball. Amen, Cal, you remember. You remember the old skinny Steve Brown. I mean, I'd throw that ball. The guy would go, oh, don't throw it so hard. I think they thought that. I don't know if they thought that. But, but I could really, but today, if I was to throw a stone, a stone's cast, it would probably go bloop, 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 bloop. But the scripture said he was about a stone's cast away. That would be an average, you know, no shoulder problem. Healthy man, that's, that's not that far either. A little bit away, the Lord was agonizing, praying, suffering. He was, he was being squeezed and crushed for me, for you, for the sins of the world on this mount called Olivet. And here's what Jesus said, Father, if, it be, if thou be willing... Remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. We always assume it was the cup, you know, wine, and I think there's application there. But he's on the mount where they would crush the olives for their daily substance, for healing, so many things. And Jesus endured that great suffering, both mentally, physically, spiritually, with no reluctance our Lord was not trying to sidestep the cross when he said those words. Here's what was on his mind. He didn't want to be separated from the Father because he and the Father were one and he never had been separated before. And he knew what was looming on the horizon. He knew the cross was before him and he knew he was going to be made sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be the righteousness of God in him. But it wasn't an easy time. It was a bruising time, a crushing time, a suffering time for him. So next we see that the Mount of Olives became a place of humiliation at the garden. During the same period that Christ was being crushed in his spirit, it was a crushing of him 
to the point of humiliation. He took our sin upon him. Every hideous act of mankind was placed upon him. Every vile and wicked sin was placed upon him. Every horrible sin Jesus bore upon him. 2 Corinthians 5.21, Paul writes, He hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So Mount of Olives is a place of humiliation. When Jesus hung on the cross of Calvary, he hung naked before the world. They wagged their heads. They mocked him. They belittled him. Hey, if you be the Son of God, come down from that cross. Save yourself and us too. And they laughed. place of humiliation was not just Calvary, folks. It was before Calvary. It was when he was being broken and bruised and crushed to get to Calvary. Not my will, Father, but thy will be done. The bruising and the crushing came way before the cross. And then it was a place of ascension. He left the Garden of Gethsemane and he came to the Mount of Olives. At the Mount of Olives. And he, there's another scene here. It's, um, it's the Lord, the future sight of the Lord after his death, after his burial resurrection. On the same mount, these disciples were looking at the Lord and all of a sudden, go to John chapter 14 with me. All of a sudden, the Lord starts rising up before their very eyes. The Mount of Olives is a place of ascension. The work is finished. He was buried, amen? He was crucified. He was buried and rose again. And then he spends 40 days with them. You know, I thought about, why 40 days? I don't know. I know there's a lot in there. I don't have time to deal with it, but there's a lot in there, no doubt. I've never done a sermon on it. But why 40 days? But I know it was 40 days. And in 40 days, I think this. I think by the end of 40 days, all those disciples knew exactly who the Lord was then. And all that connected to that for them, that they were going to be, you know, again, all, all of those original apostles were, they died early deaths for the gospel, for the cause of Christ. Save John, and he was put on the Isle of Patmos, but he, they tried to kill him before, before the revelation was written. But here's the Lord, 40 days with his disciples. What was he doing? He's preparing them for ministry. In 40 days, they kind of knew he was alive. Folks, I know that last week was Resurrection Sunday, but listen, he's alive. And he's coming back. So there's this garden of olives, the garden of Gethsemane right there at the Mount of Olives. It was a place of ascension. They saw the Lord rise up right before their eyes. The Lord was forewarning them of their departure. John chapter 14, he said these words. Let not your heart be troubled, verse 1. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. They're rising up before his very in their eyes before their very presence. And then there's an angel. Interesting how many angels show up at a proper time. I mean, if I was writing this thing, I would have put an angel in there too. And the angel said, you men of Galilee, why stand you here gazing into heaven? This same Jesus who you have seen gone up before you. He'll come back in like manner. Folks, he is coming back. But he told that group that wonderful truth. And after the Lord's physical and bodily resurrection from the grave, he spent all that time with them, a significant amount of time. And here's what it tells us. Many infallible proofs were given to them of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then it says in Acts chapter 1, verse 12, Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. If you know your Bible, Sabbath day journey is no more than four miles. The Jews could not travel more than four miles. Had all that stuff about picking up sticks and breaking the Sabbath, you know. He was telling them that they were going to be a witness. And he was telling them that they needed to solidify themselves and steel themselves and strengthen themselves in garden places. 
in alone time places, in private time places. You know, you and I, we've got a road ahead of us still. I don't know how long I'm going to be around. I don't know how long you're going to be around. We don't know about tomorrow, do we? But, you know, we need to get to the garden places of our life where God will speak to us, strengthen us, deliver us, guide us, encourage us, all those things. It's interesting, the Mount of Olives, place of oil. And again, we get in those alone times and the Holy Spirit's there. And just as the Lord was strengthened, we can get strength. But folks, before we get there, there's got to be a crushing. There's got to be a bruising. There's got to be praying. As the Bible said, he prayed strong prayers and crying. We're going to have some tears, but good news, all tears will be wiped away someday. Hallelujah. So at the Mount of Olives, Jesus tells his disciples that certain things are going to take place in their life. He tells them about the eminent descent of the Holy Spirit. He tells them about the fact they were going to be a witness, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And then here at this place of ascension, uh, they were going to ponder the instructions of the Lord. Would you like to see the instructions of the Lord? How many would like to see the instructions of the Lord? Go to Acts chapter 1. I'm just about ready to be done. Acts chapter 1. I want you to see the instructions that the Lord gave the disciples there on Mount Olivet. You, you can know them. They're right here. Lo, I come in the volume of a book. He's kept it for us. In Acts chapter 1, in verse 9, follow with me, because I am going to wrap it up. You've heard that before. But really, I am going to wrap it up here soon. But stay with me, because there's two points left, and they're rich, and I don't want to let them go, okay? So hang with me. But look at Acts chapter 1, verse 9. And when he had spoken these things, watch this, while they beheld him, he was taken up, and the cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Then returned they unto Jerusalem, watch this, from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. Here we see the glorification of our Lord right before their very eyes. Now remember, the inner circle saw the Lord on the mount. Isn't it interesting? Another mount. Mount of transfiguration. They saw him in all his glory and all his splendor. But these guys are seeing it happen right before their very eyes. Wow. In splendor and radiance and brilliance, they're seeing their Lord. And that brings us to another place, that Mount of Olives. The place of victory. I had you turn to Acts chapter 1, so I'm not having you move too much. Acts chapter 1, look at verse 10. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, pay attention, get this, don't miss it, that's what it means. These two men, these two men stood by them in, in white apparel. And they, and they gave us the, the answer that he's coming back, in verse 12, then returned they from Jerusalem and from the mount called Olivet. I want to point this out, and I got one more point, we're done. This is a Jewish text. Sabbath day's journey, talking to the Jews. Jerusalem, talking to the Jews. It's all about the Jews. It's not about the rapture of the church. It's about the Jews. The promise that the Lord was giving those men that day, it was to the second advent of Christ. In other words, the Lord was going to work in a way they didn't understand, the church age. Thank God for the church age. Us Gentiles would not be in Christ without the church age. Praise the Lord. But he's not done with his chosen people. He's coming back for them. In the second advent, they'll see him again. But how will they see him? Will they see him in his crushed, broken self after Mount of Olivet? His spirit totally busted down? Will they see him as the one crucified on the cross, bloodied, beaten? Isaiah said his, 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 his appearance was is not like any other man prior to him. His visage so marred? No. <laughs> 
They're going to see him in his glory, in his kingliness, in his victory. The Jews will one day look on him and they will believe, praise the Lord, as their Lord and King, and then his kingdom comes in. What they wanted when he was on the earth. But it was more about them back then than it was about him back then. But there's coming a day, folks, it's going to be all about him. Praise God. And he's so deserving. And the church already knows that. Not in full measure yet, like we ought to, because we're in these corruptible bodies. But oh, one day, the church is going to come apart, praising God in glory. But the Jews, they get their king. They get his kingdom. They get to reign with him. Oh, my goodness. The literal kingdom of Christ will come. Zechariah says it this way, and I'm winding down, I promise. Zechariah 14, 4, And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem, on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west, and there shall be a very great valley, and half of the mountain shall remove toward the north, and half of it shall toward the south. Here, he's writing about that time where Israel will see their king high and lift it up. And where's it going to happen? At the Mount of Olives. The place of crushing, of bruising, of sacrifice. Mm. He suffered in agony. The place where Jesus submitted to the will of the Father. The place where he was betrayed by Judas. It wasn't about Jesus. It was a picture of how the Jews rejected Jesus Christ. It's a place of Jesus where he was arrested, led away, cruelly treated, faced suffering. The place where Jesus was emotionally and physically and spiritually broken. Broken to the point to be spilled out for you and I and for Israel, the wife of God. Oh my goodness gracious. Whew. Why was he broken? To benefit and bless his people. And that brings me to my last point. And all God's people said. I told my wife, I said, I got, I got several points. I, I, I want to just preach three and be done, but I can't. I can't. There's too much here. Too, it's too rich at Mount Olivet. The place of, listen now, vindication. You say, preacher, what do you mean? Because at the Mount of Olives, he was humiliated. He was made sin. But now he's victorious, and now he's vindicated because, you see, he will not be treated as he was in the past because he is sovereign king now. Everything he said is vindicated. Everything he done is, done is vindicated. Everything he promised is vindicated. Oh, my goodness. Jesus will be reigning in mighty power and authority. And the scripture says... When the world comes against him and his chosen people, he will destroy them with the brightness of his coming and with a sword, which is the word of God, coming from his mouth, his lips. Church, there's coming a day, a great day. It was all told to us about it on Mount Olive. A place of communication, a place of revelation, a place of anticipation, a place of humiliation a place of ascension, a place of victory, and most importantly, vindication for our Lord. You don't think it was difficult in the Lord's human side to have people spit at him and revile him and reject him and be made a spectacle before all? He did it for the Lord's will. He did it for his Father's plan. He did it for you and I, but it was not easy. He said, well, he was God. He was God, but he was man. But now there's coming a day where Jesus Christ will be vindicated. Amen. And it says they'll look on him who they appear to, and they're going to they're gonna know it's him. This old world one day is going to know who they've been messing with and dealing with. But here's the amazing thing. That same God who's going to be vindicated, you know what he wants to do? He wants to save any and all that will come to him. Isn't he a wonderful Savior? Isn't he a wonderful God? He's been treated so illy. But right now is the age of grace. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, come. 
Come and let us show you out of the Bible to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You can be born again today. You can have new life in Christ. And you that are so tired and weary of the different things that are coming into your life, realize this, your Lord knows and He understands. He was bruised. He was suffered. He, he was crushed. He was humiliated. His plans didn't know. He didn't always know then what the Father was going to do as he was submitting to the Father's will and became flesh for us. Oh, what a Savior. So if you're here today and you don't know Christ, why don't you come today during the invitation and believe on Jesus. He's worthy. And then if you're already saved, I'm going to ask you some just simple questions in the light of this, in the light of all we said. Have you been scripturally baptized? Say, no, I haven't. Why not? He went through all this for you. The very least you could do is declare your faith in Him. Are you a member of a good Bible-believing church? Are you disassociated from the fellowship of believers? Hey, let me tell you something about the church. It's beloved to Jesus. It ought to be beloved to you. Are you striving to serve the Lord every day of your life? Are you sharing the gracious gospel of Jesus Christ to as many as you can? Are you serving, listen members, if you're a member of Parkview Baptist Church, listen, are you serving the Lord here at Parkview? Don't be a sitter. Be a server. As you look at Mount of Olives, realize how much happened there. Um, we took a stroll in the garden today. And so I want you to take a stroll this week. I want you to get along with your Lord this week. If you've laid off your devotional life, get back in there. Get to that alone place, that private place, that sweet place of fellowship. And here's what will happen to you. You'll get close. You'll get blessed. You'll get strengthened. You'll get encouraged. You'll get focused. You'll get a vision. You'll get happy. I mean, why would you want to do that? Don't bypass the garden with your Lord. Let's bow our heads if we would this morning. A time of personal reflection. We're going to have Laura come and play. and I don't know that we'll sing. I might have Paul sing.